Well, tonight, I want us to um, get into the Word of God a little bit, and we're going to talk about three stories that we all know about, but, you know, Pastor Brandon told me something a long time ago, that when you've been a Christian for a while, you've almost heard almost every sermon, almost every sermon, not every. So I'm not here pretending to bring a new revelation or anything like that, but I'm hoping that by the time we finish the service, God would have spoken to somebody's heart, okay? God would have a word for somebody in this place. And we are going to look at the story. We are going to start off with, with the story of, of Moses. We're going to go from Moses to Elijah, and then we'll talk a little bit about Jesus as well. Um, just for your information, I'm a teacher. I typically teach for 75 minutes. Um, so if you didn't have dinner before coming, tough. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You see, my wife does this when she, she does some training. So she would ask people to describe her, right? And everybody kind of goes around the fact that she's black, right? And nobody wants to say it, but I, I'll let you know I'm black, right? So you've got to preach with me, okay? You, you have to sh- give me some amens and hallelujahs. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get into my best black preacher routine, okay? You don't want me to do that, so, 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 so preach with me tonight. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about something, about Moses, right? Everybody know about, about Moses and the story of Moses, okay? So let's, let's go ahead, put up the scripture for me, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. This is going to be our main scripture for tonight. This is going to be our main scripture for tonight. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. If you want to stand with me for the reading of God's word, don't mind. Okay, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Then This is from the New King James. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they would not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. For the Lord, so the Lord said to him, what is, that, what is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and he became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord your God, that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Father, in the name of Jesus tonight, speak that I may speak, that the leather words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of what I'm going to talk about is, What Do You Have in Your Hand? Okay. What do you have in your hand? Turn to your neighbor or whoever is next to you and ask them, what do you have in your hand? Okay. Now look in your hand and ask yourself, what do I have in my hand? Okay. Hopefully by the end of this service we'll be able to answer that question. But this is the story of Moses, right? The story of Moses starts, or this part, this part of the story of Moses starts in um, Exodus chapter 3. So Moses, um, Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. Okay? Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. And I'm not, they'll put up the scripture, I'm not going to read, read all of it, but as we go along. So, if you remember, Moses used to live in the, in the house of Pharaoh. Okay? He was a prince. He was, he was born, he was put on the river, and Pharaoh's sister you know, saw him, took him, um, he went back to his, his own mother. He was raised as an Israeli, 
when he was, he was weaned, he went back to the palace and he enjoyed everything that a prince could enjoy. He was raised as a prince. Now, you know, if you think Moses, think Charlton Heston, right? That's, that's what I think about every time I think about it. So he had, he had privilege. I mean, he was living the life of a prince, of a king. Okay, everything was available to him. Then one day, he, dis- he, he had a conscience, right? He decided, and I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later. But then he killed one of the Egyptians who were oppressing the Israelis, Israelites. And he had to run away into the desert. And after he got into the desert, so think about this. This is a guy who had everything at his feet. Ends up in the desert, okay? Gets found out by a bunch of young ladies who were tending sheep. He happens to marry one of them. And listen to what verse 3 says. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Now, I don't know about you, but working for your father-in-law is not the place you want, I want to be, right? I love, I love my father-in-law. You know, may he rest in peace. But I don't think I would have loved working for my father-in-law after working, after enjoying everything that a prince should enjoy. Moses found himself working for his father-in-law, not, you know, not in a car dealership or at Google or as the father-in-law of Steve Jobs or anybody like that. He was tending sheep. The guy was a shepherd. He was tending sheep. Okay? That is not the place Moses thought he was going to find himself. Okay? So he was tending the flock of his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he was where? In the desert. I don't know about you, but that desert is not the place I want to be. Right? Moses found himself in the desert. So Moses was not exactly in a great place. Okay, one, he was standing sheep, he was a shepherd, far away from the court of Egypt. And number two, he was working for his father-in-law. Number three, he was in the desert. And it says that he came up to where? To Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb was, was in the desert. It was a desolate place. Now, it says it's the mountain of God because God appeared to Moses later on at that mountain. But prior to that, it was a desolate place. And Moses was in this place where everything that he thought he was going to have was like, oh my God, what happened to me? Grew up in the king's palace. I mean, everything what has, what has, what has his disposal. I mean, everything what has at his disposal. And now he finds himself working for his father-in-law in the desert. That is really not the place he wanted to be. And right in the middle of that, something happened. Right in the middle of that, something happened. Where are you right now? How desolate are you right now? How desperate are you right now? How far away have you strayed from where God intended you to be? You see, because it is in our desperation, it's in our wilderness that God begins to appear to us. Okay? So look at what happens in verse 3. It says that, okay, and the angel, verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So look at what Moses did. He did what? The Bible says right there he what? He looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside 
and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. See, even though Moses was desperate, he decided to do what? To look. And a lot of times, that's what we don't do. Because even when we are in our desperate places, God shows up. But a lot of times we are so consumed by the situation in which we are that we forgot, we forget or we fail to lift up our eyes or we fail to lift up our eyes and look at what is happening. But the moment Moses lifted up his eyes to look at that burning bush, something happened. Something that was about to change his life forever. You see, that is what Christ, that is what God wants us to do. That's why when the Bible says that I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from whence cometh my help, that is what God is talking about when he says that we look up to him, the, 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 the starter and the perfecter of our faith. We need to look up onto our God because every time we fail to look up onto God, we fail to see the signs that God is showing to us because he wants to come to us. He wants to change our situation. But because we do not look up, we fail to see the signs and the burning bushes that God gives to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. So because Moses turned and looked, look at what the, verse, the next verse says. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, what happened? God called Moses in the midst of the bush and said, uh, this is my favorite part. He said, Moses, Moses. Okay? That's my chapter. You guys got it. You got it. Okay? That wasn't very good, but hey, I tried. All right? Bible says that because he turned and looked, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him out of the burning bush. You get that? Moses turned aside and looked. Now, if I'm in the desert and I see a burning bush, I'm going. I'm running. Right? I am running. I, I mean, it's not normal. You see, but the reason, because Moses had gotten to the place where it was like, what in the world am I doing here? So when we first moved here, my, my older kid was playing um, traveling basketball and they had a tournament in Granby, Missouri. Now, I don't know about you. You guys probably are okay with Granby. I am an African. I come from far away. Okay, I went to school in Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. I find myself in Joplin. And, and, and we lived in Cow Junction. My friends used to call it Cow Junction because they used to tease us all the time. And I find myself in Granby, Missouri, watching a basketball game in an arena of about 500 people. And I look around, I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? What in the world am I doing in Granby, Missouri? That is probably the way Moses felt. Okay, he was in the desert looking at himself going, what am I doing here? And he sees the burning bush. And he turns and looks. And God, the Bible says that because he turned and looked, God spoke to him and called him out of the burning bush. Out of the burning bush. Are you lifting up your eyes? Are you looking at the burning bushes that are right around you? Because God wants you to turn and look. 
God wants you to look at him. Lift up your eyes onto the hills because he's about to call onto you. Because he's about to have a conversation with you that's about to change your life. And what the, what's about to happen to Moses right now is a conversation that changed his life for the rest of his life, changed the course of history because God was about to do something great. Lift up your eyes from wherever you are. Whatever the situation it is that's around you, it is not so desperate that you cannot look up onto the Lord. You see, like Pastor said earlier on, you know, don't look for the experience. We, we need to lift up our eyes onto Christ because he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's gone before us. He's done everything. And therefore, when we lift up our eyes onto the, onto the hills, when we lift up our eyes and we could begin to look at the burning bush, the Bible says that when the Lord sees that we've turned our eyes to look, he is going to speak to you. You know why you can't hear the voice of God? You know why you can't hear the voice of God? Because you are so focused on the circumstances that surround you that you are failing to see that God is right there in that burning bush waiting for you to just lift up your eyes to look so he can talk to you. Hallelujah. So God is about to have this conversation with Moses. And I don't, I don't know, but this is, this is actually one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Because this is probably one of the first time God has, God had that kind of a conversation with Isaiah as well. But this is one of the first time God had an extensive, extensive conversation with a man. And he had it with Moses. Okay? So let's look at what happened here. So God had this rather interesting conversation with Moses. Okay? So first of all, when, you, when, you, when, when he called out to Moses, Moses says, here I am. Okay? He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, notice he didn't say, here I am, Lord. He said, here I am. Because Moses had no idea who was calling him then, right? He said, here I am. So guess what? If you call to somebody, if, I, if you walk up to me and this is the first time you're meeting me, what are you going to do? What would you do? You're going to introduce yourself, right? Okay, so look at God's introduction. God decides he's going to introduce himself to Moses. He's going to introduce himself to Moses. Chapter, chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy, holy ground. Moreover, he said, okay, so Moses, stay where you are. This is holy ground, and I'm about to tell you who I am. Okay, don't come any closer. Just stay there. And I'm about to introduce myself. So God tells him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses knew exactly what that was. Because Moses had been raised by his mother, and he knew exactly what those phrases meant. So God said, let me introduce myself to you. I am the God of Israel. I am the God of your father, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of I Jacob, and I'm the God of Isaac. And look at what the Bible says. It says that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. He immediately recognized who was talking. Because his parents had put something in him. His mother had put something in him when he was a baby, when he was being winged, when he was being shuttled back and forth between... Um, 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 Israel and 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 the and the and the Egyptian palace. 
God, his mother had put something in him, so he knew. He immediately recognized what it was. Train up a child in the way he should go, and he would never depart from it. Parents, lay that foundation. Okay, lay that foundation. It might take 40 years, it might take 50 years, but they will recognize the voice of God when God begins to call. When God begins to call, they will recognize the, the voice of God. Because the Bible says that what? Moses hid his face, <clears throat> for he was afraid to look upon God. He immediately recognized who that was. So God goes on and tells him everything. Okay? God goes on, tells him everything. So t- tells him about everything that's happening to Egypt and all that and all that. And he says, Moses, come now, therefore, and I will, this is verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay? So God tells him, look, okay, God is having this conversation. If you read the passages before then, he tells him everything about everything that's happening. It's not as if Moses didn't know. The reason Moses had run into the desert was because Moses knew the oppression that was happening and he had tried to solve the problem by himself and got himself into trouble. Okay, so every time we try to get ahead of God, we try to get ourselves into trouble. It happened to Abraham, happened to Peter. Every time we try to get ahead of God, we get ourselves into trouble. So it's not as if Moses was not aware of what was happening in Egypt. He knew. So God told him, now I'm going to bring you, okay, to, um, to rescue my people. So this is Moses' response. Verse 11. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. See, Moses had been down so long that he was now beginning to doubt himself. He had no confidence in himself, which is normal. God was like, okay, you know what? That's okay. God was like, okay. He's asking the question. I I really don't think that's a bad question to ask. Like, who am I? I mean, me? I mean, come on. Little, little old me, you want to use me to go what? Rescue Israel? Are you sure I'm the one you want? Yes, what's God's? So it's, it's, I mean, can you understand that? Can you understand where Moses is coming from? I mean, this is a guy who is tending sheep for crying out loud for his father-in-law, okay? Not exactly the place somebody, you know, where you take somebody to go rescue a whole bunch of people out of, out of slavery. So here's what God tells him. God says, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God assured Moses of his presence. See, the presence of God would always go with you when God calls you to do his will. The presence of God would always go with you when God calls you to do his will. So even though Moses doubted himself, God said, don't worry about that. I'm going to assure you of my presence. So God assured Moses of his presence. Then Moses says this. Then Moses said to God, Verse 13, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and they say to me, 
the God of your fathers has sent me, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Now, think about this. What was the first thing God did when he met Moses? He called Moses and introduced himself to Moses. Right? He had already told Moses who he was. He said, I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses immediately recognized that name, and Bible says that he hid his face because he recognized that he was talking to God. He knew the God he was talking to. So now God assures him of his presence because he says, who am I that I should go do this? God says, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go with you. Then Moses turns around and says, well, what if they ask who you are? Now, Look at what's coming up next. Put up the, the, next, the next verse, chapter verse 14. And God said to Moses, okay, everybody read that with me. God said to Moses what? Now, what is different about that phrase? It's in what? It's in capital. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe God was texting. Seriously. I mean, if somebody texts you and they put everything in caps, what do you think they are doing? They what? They're making a point. They're mad. They're yelling at you. God was like, Moses, I just told you who I am. Okay, you know what? Go and tell them I am who I am. Now, a lot of us, you see, some, I think, I think sometimes we, we over-spiritualize this personally. I think God was just telling Moses, you know what? Shut up. Go tell them I am who I am. They know who I am. There's no need to tell, my, I am the God of your fathers, and I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That is who I am. If you really want to know, tell them, I am who I am. It's like, kind of like a, a, a parent telling a kid, you know what? Because I said so. Go. So God tells Moses, I am who I am. That's it. God was getting, God was getting upset at this point. Okay, he was getting us upset. Thou shalt say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Okay? Now, this is my own interpretation. I know, you know, I'm not a theologian or I didn't, you know, I don't have a PhD in whatever he has a PhD in. I'm an economist, you know, that's, you know. So, so I really believe that God was like, Moses, I already told you who I am. The, you, go and tell them I am who I am sent you. That's it. That's all you got to tell them. Then look at what Moses does. <laughs> so God goes on and tell him, tells him, I am who I am. You know, moreover, God said to Moses, that's the children of Israel. He goes on and tells them all of these things, what he's going to do to the children of Israel. And then this is where our scripture comes in. Verse 4. So God says, okay, so first of all, God assures him of his presence. And the second part, God assures him of his authority and says, I am who I am. I'm going to go with you. That is God's authority. God assured him of his presence. I will go with you. And they said, well, what if they ask me what your name is? They said, tell them I am who I am. God assured him of his authority in caps. Then this is where it gets really interesting because Moses is about to do something here. Moses says, but suppose they do not believe me or listen to my voice. They say the Lord has not appeared to you. And at this point, God was like, you know what? 
if my presence is not enough, if my authority is not enough, I'm going to show you my power. Right? God's presence will go with us. His authority is going to be behind us. And, and, if, and, and, and his power, signs and wonders are going to follow us when we begin to do God's work. Amen? So God says to Moses, what is that that you have in your hand? Thank your neighbor and say, what is it that you have in your hand? And that is what I want to talk about today. See, we tend to have an excuse for everything. When God begins to call us, we tend to have an excuse for everything that God wants us to do. See, we tend to, we tend to find every little thing, every, 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 oh, my children are too young. I'm retired. I'm right in the middle of my career. I'm expecting that promotion in two weeks. I just started the business. I just got married. Oh, no, I'm looking for a fear. No, sorry. Um. <laughs> All right? We have every single excuse in the book to make sure that we don't go where God wants us to go. But God always assures us of his presence, of his authority, and of his power. And of his power. So what do you have in your hand? Look at what Moses had in his hand. Moses had a what? A rod. Do you know what that rod was for? You remember what Moses was? He was what? A shepherd. He had a rod, a stick. Okay, my wife likes to walk and, um, in our neighborhood, and she hates dogs. So every time my wife goes out walking, she has to have a stick. Okay, and over, like about three or four weeks ago, we had foxes in our neighborhood a bunch of foxes, and I finally had to Google and find out whether foxes were actually um, threatening to humans, and they really aren't. Like, my wife wouldn't go out and walk because the foxes were there. But when she goes out, she has a rod. Okay, that, a rod. That's all. Basically, it's to hit, you know, hit little animals and, you know, scare off little things. That's all it was. A rod. A shepherd's rod. What do you have in your hand? Do you think it's that insignificant? That rod that you have in your hand, whatever thing that you have, that you think is insignificant, God is about to do something with it. So God is asking you tonight, what is it that you have in your hand? As I was preaching this sermon, one of the things that came to me, one of the things that God spoke to me is, God is about to do something in this place. God is about to do something in this place. And pastor has said this several times. You have to be ready to put forth what God, you have in your hand for God to be able to take it and use it to do what he wants to do with it. Question is, what do you have in your hand? What do you think is so insignificant in your hand that you think it's not worth anything? If you have that rod in your hand, God is asking you, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said he has a rod. And God said, throw it on the floor. Give it to me. See, God is not interested in all the nice things that we have. See, there's a reason why the Bible says that make a joyful noise unto the Lord and in some other places it says sing a new song. Now, Pastor Sean sings a new song. He's wonderful. Some of us make a joyful noise and that is also great. Amen? All right? There are people who sing a new song. There are people who make a joyful noise. I won't mention her name. But some people make joyful noises, right? And that is okay because when you raise your joyful noise unto the Lord, he takes it. And what? He gives it back to you and it becomes a what? A sweet aroma of praise unto the Lord. 
It's not about it being beautiful. It's about you being willing to give it up unto the Lord. So God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? He says, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses did what? Ran from it. You know why he ran from it? He was in the desert. He knows what snakes can do in the desert. Okay, Moses wasn't running because he was chicken. But he seen serpents in the, well, he was a little, you know, a little baby, but that's okay. But he seen serpents in the, in the desert. He knew what serpents can do in the desert. Okay? So he was, he was having a normal human reaction to what happened to that rod. Next verse. So God says, says to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And the Bible says that when he had taken it, it became a rod in his hand. Do you realize that the rod that Moses had the second time around was not the same rod that he had put down? Do you realize that? Because that rod that he had previously was a shepherd's rod. The rod that he picked up was a rod that parted the Red Sea was the rod that brought water into the, in, in the desert. That rod was not the exact same rod that he picked up. That was an anointed rod. That was a rod that God had touched. When you have what you have in your hand and you put it in front of God and you live in the hands of God, he takes it, turns it to something else, gives it, anoints it, gives it back to you, and you begin to do wonders with it. See, you begin to do things with it that you never thought was possible. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? So remember that the Lord is the one who does the transformation. God is the one who does the transformation. It is not us. See, that rod in your hand is useless right now. Whatever it is that you have in your hand right now, that you are holding on to so tightly, it is completely useless. But when you give it up unto the Lord, when you lay it out in front of the holy place of God, because remember, Moses was still standing in front of the burning bush. When you lay it out in the holy place of God, and God says, reach down and pick it back up, what you pick back up is not a rod. He was picking up a serpent that turned into a rod. God did the transformation. God did the miraculous. And that rod became the rod of what? That God uses to free, free, uh, free the Israelites or take the Israelites out of Egypt. That was the rod that parted the Red Sea. That was a rod that brought water out of a rock in the desert. Therefore, remember, God is the one that does the transformation. But first and foremost, you have to give it up to him. You have to give up that rod that you are holding in your hand unto the Lord for him to use it. Amen. First Kings chapter 17, 11 to 16. There's another story. Elijah. Okay? Story of Elijah. First Kings, chapter 17. We're going to start from verse 10. And Pastor, you know, I think about three or four weeks ago, Pastor preached on this, on this, on this passage. But Elijah had just proclaimed the drought. He had prophesied a drought; it had come to pass. God had fed him with, um, with the ravens by the brook. After a little while, it was all dried up. 17 verse 8 says, The word of the Lord came to him and said, Arise, go to Zarephath, Zerapath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded the widow there to provide for you. 
So what did Elijah do? So he rose, he arose and went to Zarephath. And then he came to the city gate of the city. Indeed, a widow was there gathering steaks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in the cup that I may drink. Okay? So Elijah first asked for water. And the Bible says that, what did the lady do? And as she was going to get it, right? The woman was going to get Elijah some water. Elijah asked for water first. She was on her way to go get, her, get him water. Now remember that we are talking about the, there's been a drought. The drought has not ended. But this woman was going to go get Elijah some water. So Elijah said, okay, as she was going to go get him something to drink, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. What do you have in your hand? And he said, Lord, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. All the widow had, okay, was a handful, was a, a jar of oil and a handful of flour. If all you have is a jar of oil and a handful of flour, it's a reflection of where you are spiritually. Coming out of a drought, there's nothing else left. That's all you've got. That's a reflection of where you are spiritually. It's not a great place to be. It's not a great place to be. Just listen to what the woman said. She said, this is all we have. And we're going to make it tonight, eat it. And then what? To die. Die. A lot of us are at that place. We've done everything that we think we can. And the only thing left for us is to eat up the last bit of whatever spiritual um, um, power we have and then we're just going to shrivel up and die. God is asking you, what do you have in your hand? Are you willing to give up that oil, that jar of oil, and that little flower? Are you willing to give it up? See, because God is going to take it and he's going to bless it and not only will it feed you, it's going to do what? Feed everybody else that is around you. Go to the next verse, verse 13. He says that what? And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain onto the earth. See, when you give it up, here's what the Bible says. You are going to walk in anointing with that jar of oil. You are going to have bread, in the, the bread of life. You're going to have bread. You're going to be able to break it. You're going to feed yourself. You're going to feed your son, which is your family. And everybody that is around you is going to benefit from that jar of oil and from that flour that you just gave up unto the Lord. Hallelujah. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Are you willing to give it up? 
Are you willing to give it up unto the Lord? Or are you just going to use it all up? And then shrivel up and die. See, God wants to use you to bring life to others. See, he said, now what? It's not going to, it's not going to what? It's not going to dry up until what? what? The Lord brings what? Rain onto the earth. And until the Lord returns, okay, until the Lord returns and brings back rain on this earth, whatever we have in our hand, if we give it up, God is going to use us as an oasis. Christ's point, are we willing to let God use us as an oasis in this desert that is called Galena, that people may come in here and enjoy the fruits of, the, of, of God, or, or, or the, enjoy the blessings of God, and be blessed by the oil that we just gave up unto the Lord. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? As we go through this one more story here, Keep asking yourself, what do I have in my hand? What is it that I have in my hand that I can give up unto the Lord? That the Lord can take and use and make others be blessed by what I have. So you don't have to have the best singing voice. You don't have to be the strongest. We all have something. It can be a little oil in a jar. <coughs> a little oil in a jar. That's all God needs. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 to 31. And Mark chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. These are two stories. One is the feeding of the 5,000. One is the feeding of the 4,000. Once again, Jesus had been with these people. But some, I think in Matthew, says they had been with them for three days. Okay? He had been with them for three days. He's been teaching. And these people were hungry. They were in the wilderness. They were in the desert. Okay? Fourteen verse fifteen says, "Okay, when evening came, his disciples said to him, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food.'" Oh, I'm so glad I'm not in a church where my pastor sent me away to go fend for myself. Amen. My pastor does not send me away to go and fend for myself. My pastor does not come in and say, you know what, I have got nothing for you. Go and go and seek God yourself. No, I am glad I, I worship in a place where my pastor will stand up there and he will break the word of God and break it up to us. Amen? Amen? But we see what the, what the, disciples, the disciples had nothing. See, the Holy Spirit hadn't come. The disciples had nothing. They were like, you know what, we've got nothing to give these people. Let's send them away. Let them go fend for themselves. I am so glad I don't come to a church where I am told to go fend for myself. But we are fed the word of God on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus said to them. Okay? Oh, in, in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 4, he also said to them, Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? In Mark 8, verse 4, How can we satisfy these people with bread in the wilderness? They were in a place where they had no idea how they were going to feed these people. Okay? Then Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Mark chapter 4, verse 8, 8 verse 5. Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? And they said to him, we have only five loaves 
and two fish. And he said to them, bring them here to me. What do you have in your hand? See, because no matter what you have in your hand, it's not insignificant. Because God is going to take it like he took those five loaves of bread and two fish. And we all know the story. He prayed over it, he blessed it, and then he did what? What did he do? He gave it back to them. Look at the three stories that we've talked about. When God, when God turned that, that rod into a serpent, he told Moses to do what? Pick it up. When Elijah was talked to the lady, he said what? Bring me that, bring me a cake, and he what? He gave it back to her. When God blessed the five loaves and the two fish, he what? He gave it back to the disciples. God is not going to bless what you have or what you give to him and keep it for himself. He does not need it. He is going to give it back to you because when he gives it back to you, you are the one who's going to multiply it. You are the one who's going to lead those people out of Egypt. You are the one who is going to bless the family with more oil and with more cake and with more bread. You are the one who's going to break the fish and you are the one who's going to break the loaves of bread onto the people. Hallelujah. What do you have in your hand? You may think what you have is insignificant, but it's not. It may be a shepherd's rod. It may be just a little bit of oil in a jar. But if you are willing to give it, he's willing to use it. He will take it. He will bless it. He will break it and use it not just to bless you, but to bless everybody around you. So ask yourself this question. What do you have in your hand? What is it that you have that God can use tonight? It doesn't have to be that big. It can be just a shepherd's rod. Or a little bit of oil in the jar. Or a little flour. Or five loaves and some fish. You are willing to give it. God is willing to use it.